Hi, and welcome to the Desert Heights Church Weekly Message. The Gospel of John was written to prove that Jesus is indeed the Messiah and that those who believe in Him will have eternal life. Now let's join Pastor Brent for our verse-by-verse study through the Gospel of John. Will you give up your own preferences or comforts to give genuine love and kindness to those who do not deserve it? Will you intentionally give to God Give, will, will your intentional gift to God be getting to know and serving others in the body of Christ? Put that in there intentionally because uh, I'm, I'm working at organizing everybody getting together and knowing one another. Because you're thinking, well, why do we have to have fast and the curious so that you'll get to know one another? Why do we have to have the young at heart so that we, you'll get to know one another? Because... I visit with all these wonderful people, and I'm telling you honestly, Desert Heights has a lot of fantastic people, and I get to know all of them, but you don't always get to know each other, and some of you act like you don't want to get to know each other. (laughs) That's serious. And so, yeah, we're organizing. I know, I know it's a struggle, Brent. I had my Friday night all planned out. I was going to wear my PJs and watch Netflix. We were going to binge watch something stupid for four hours. I don't have time for other people. Will your intentional gift to God be getting to know and serve others in the body of Christ? Will your gift to God be faithfulness in your relationships in your attendance, and even your finances in the church. No amens there. That one kind of... That was good right up till there, Brent. You want us to be faithful to the church? Really? The new year is only a few weeks away. What, what, what will you intentionally give to God in 2020? I know I've stopped preaching and gone to meddling, so I'm going to go on to point number two. Giving well reveals your heart. If you think this is going to get better, you're wrong. (laughs) Giving well reveals your heart. Verse four, but Judas Iscariot, do we remember who he is? The disciple who would soon betray him said, now, Uh, again, to the point that John is writing the gospel as a proof that Jesus is the Son of God and that he is God. He's not writing a narrative, a chronological narrative, just to tell the story of Jesus. That's not. He's writing to tell about Jesus, proving that he is the Son of God. So John messes up with time. He messes time up. He doesn't really care. He's going to tell us now who Judas Iscariot is. He doesn't save it for the end of the story. See, that would be better drama, right? He tells us in verse 12, what, or in chapter 12, what Judas Iscariot is going to do way down the road. But Judas Iscariot, the disciple who would soon betray Jesus. Now we know who he is. He said, that perfume was worth a year's wages. It should have been sold and the money given to the poor. If you've said that before, please be real quiet right now. Just don't look around. Be invisible. Verse 6. Not that he cared for the poor because he was a thief. And since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole some 
for himself. He's a good guy. Church guy. Don't look around, please. <laughs> In the movies, there's often this one guy that you love to hate. You know what I'm talking about? You know, you watch a movie and you're like, oh, I just hope that that guy gets run over by a semi before the end of the movie. We need justification here. You know, he's mean to people. You know that he's going to do something really bad before the movie's over. And then you hope that he pays for his being bad. Well, Judas is that guy. Judas disapproves of Mary's extravagant gift being given to Jesus. She is giving her heart. She's giving her all. And Judas, he criticizes. Shouldn't be doing that. Something, you could have done something better. Oh, shut up. Right? Judas disapproves of the extravagant gift given to Jesus. Judas justifies his disapproval. He says, there's many other practical uses for that money. Hold on to your britches. There are many other more practical uses for that money than just worshiping Jesus. I'm sure that none of us have ever said anything like that before. Making sure that all the the practical things are taken care of in our personal and family lives and, and then we will give to God. Oh, uh oh. I've enjoyed being the pastor here at Desert Heights for 16 years. Appreciate it. No, we take care of all the practical things and then we'll give to the church. Then we'll give to God after all the needs. Because, Brent, that's what responsible men, American men, family men do is we take care of the needs first. And then, then we'll give sacrificially to God if there's any change left. That is not what Mary did in this story. What Mary did is incredibly impractical. Judas says, let's be practical. Let's not use this for worship. Let's use this for something that will actually meet a need. In this text, John contrasts two apparent followers of Christ. Mary has planned, she has planned for a year to demonstrate this sacrifice of worship for the Lord. Mary didn't come for the meal. She couldn't care less if they have turkey and dressing or fish and chips. She could not care because there's something much bigger happening at this dinner than food. Try to get your mind around that. It's funnier for me because I like food, but anyways. She came to give because Jesus was worthy of giving too. On the way into the church this morning, I'm thinking about my message, and, you know, I, I preach the second part of my message to myself coming to church on Sunday morning. And the second part of the message, which I'm not going to preach, but I'll just tell you about, is you don't even understand how to give until you understand how worthy Jesus is of our worship. If you don't understand how worthy he is of all of our worship, then you'll never give a sacrifice of worship. You'll never give him a gift from your heart because you don't understand who you're giving it to. You, don't, you lack the capacity. Mary had the capacity to give because she understood that ah, 
Mary understood that she was not worthy of all the money she had earned. She understood that only Jesus was worthy of this much worship. And if she had the capacity to put together more money, she would worship him even more. She would give it all because Jesus is worthy of all the worship, not her. Maybe one of these days I'll preach that. I don't know. One follower of Christ is Mary who comes to give. The other follower is Ju- Judas. He gives Jesus nothing. Now, now he would be the one who, is, who would say, I've given my life to following Jesus. I'm with him all the time. I'm there every time somebody needs to take up an offering. I'm there to help out. He's there looking for what he can get out of the situation. Judas is going to eat, and he's going to run like usual. His mind is on practical things. His mind is on practical things. He doesn't have time for pointless worship and extravagant, misplaced gifts. I know. Some of you are thinking, well, Brent, that's uh, that's just kind of who I am. I'm, I'm concerned about practical things. Men tend to be wired that way. Not that women can't, but okay, we're all guilty of that. I'm not at all condoning that you ignore the practical things in life. That's not what I'm saying. I am condemning only pursuing the practical things at the abandonment of seeking first the kingdom of heaven. Did, Did you hear what I'm saying? What was in Mary's heart was was give to Jesus first all that you can, all that you can put together and all that you can worship him with, all all of the capacity within me. I'll worship him and I'll give to him. Then we'll be concerned about ourselves and with all these other things. Judas was not concerned at all with giving to Jesus. He was only concerned with taking care of earthly things. Now listen to me, church. There is an order of priorities. And it's very important that we get the order of priorities right because even in church, in Christendom, we still have people who understand what the end goal is and we try to do it without God. That's a problem. There's an order of priorities. God first, then all other things. Because when you put God first, then you have God's Help with having enough for all those other things. It's like magic. It really is. You put God first and everything is taken care of. If you put all things first, you'll never have enough to put God first. That's the truth. If you put all these other priorities, Brent, we got to take care of practical things first. And once we've taken care of the practical things, then we will give to God. You'll never, you'll never put God first. You'll never have the capacity to worship Jesus as Mary did. If you put things first, you'll never have the capacity to give well as Jesus did. As Mary did. My mind already went on in my sermon. You have to put God first. First. Does that make sense? Faith in God puts, it creates the umbrella 
And then all things work together after that. Number three, giving well means more. Giving well means more. And I didn't realize it until this morning when I was looking over that. Somebody's going to think, well, giving well means I have to just give more? No, it's not about giving more. It's about um, more meaning. Giving well means more. In verse 7, Jesus replied, Remember, Judas has just said, oh, we should have given that to some poor people. They really needed it, not Jesus. Jesus replied, leave her alone, knucklehead. I may have inserted something there. I'm not going to tell you which part of it is. Leave her alone. She did this in preparation for my burial. Can you imagine the mood in this room? I mean, we're all like, We've had this big meal. You can relate, right? Yeah, I can see you can relate. Yeah. Don't say anything back to me, bunch of mouthy people. I know what you're thinking. <laughs> we had this great meal. Mary comes in. She does this awkward demonstration where she spent just a ridiculous amount of money on this perfume that she poured out on the feet of Jesus, and now it's all over the place, and the room is too smelly now, and it's potent, and it's pungent, and we're trying to figure out what's going on now. Judas is being an idiot, and, and oh, Jesus is like, oh, leave her alone, and then he drops this bomb in the middle of, we're having a friend dinner here, and he says, she did this to prepare me for my burial. What? That's like announcing you have cancer at Thanksgiving dinner. Change the mood of the room really quick. No one knows. As they sit at this meal together, Mary's done this demonstration of worship. No one knows that Jesus is not going to be with them in a little over a week. He's going to be gone. They don't know that Jesus is on his way to the cross. I'm getting ahead of myself. Verse 8. You will always have the poor among you. His point for saying that is all these practical needs that you have, all the practical things that we're always going to take care of, and then we're going to give to God, those practical things are always going to be there. Always. You're always going to have the poor. There's always going to be a need that needs to be met. But you will not always have me. The perfume was used for two purposes. It was used for worship and it was used for burial. Mary intended only worship. That was all that was on her mind. But there was more to it than simply worship. God, in his sovereignty, intended this anointing with perfume to be a preparation for the body of Jesus to be placed into a tomb. She pours this nard. Do you know, you, some of you ladies will understand, the men don't care. Uh, ladies, you buy expensive perfume, and you put it on, and it lasts all day, right? It's really good stuff. You put it on your clothes, and it smells up your closet. And the next time you wear those clothes, you can still smell it. You buy cheap perfume, and, you know, after breakfast, it's gone. This was expensive perfume. Put on the body of Jesus. He's going to go through the Passion Week with his nard on his body, with the smell of somebody else's worship, with the perfume of burial. 
I believe with all my heart. Can you imagine? This is not in my notes, by the way. This is extra, so please reflect that in your giving. The soldiers of Jesus, they're, they're putting him down on the cross, and they nail his hands to the cross, and this soldier gets down at his feet. He stacks up two feet. We saw it in the movies. We know exactly how this works. He touches the feet, and he's like, this doesn't smell like a thief. This smells expensive. He drives the nail in, and Jesus is hung on the cross, and that evening he goes home to dinner, and he's eating a taco, and he's like, I smell something. I smell something that is different, something that is unusual, something that is, well, it's glorious. Because Mary gave her all. That's a side point, whole nother sermon. Man, you guys have got to give good this morning. Remember the story of, uh, here we are back, i gotta, I got to bring you back. God intended this anointing with perfume as preparation for the burial of the body of Jesus. And you, some of you will remember the story of the barnyard, an, barnyard animals who decided to provide breakfast for the farmer. Have you heard this story? You know that sometimes this happens, right? The farmer was a really great guy, always took really great care of his animals. He fed them and watered them every single day. The animals got together and they said, we should do something special for the farmer. So somebody said, let's make him breakfast. And the cow said, oh, that's a great idea. I'll provide the milk. The chicken said, I'll provide the eggs and the pig can provide the bacon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mary came to this dinner as a contributor, as an extravagant gift giver, as a worshiper. Judas comes to this dinner as a consumer. Make sure we're not Judas, okay? But Jesus comes as the sacrificial lamb. Jesus comes to give his life. Sure, Mary's contribution was great, but Jesus would give everything so that you and I could believe and have eternal life. It's the whole reason John writes this gospel. So that you can read it. You can hear it. You can place your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and have eternal life. The whole reason for the book. We forget that God is not only merciful. Often whenever we look at the Passion Week story of Jesus giving his life on the cross, we forget that God is completely just and righteous as well. And that is part of the reason we have the Passion Week. God does not allow our sin to go unpunished. Are you with me? I know I have a double negative in there, so you have to think about it. God does not allow our sin our sin to go unpunished. Our sin will be punished. Your sin, although you are forgiven by God, does not go unpunished. Mary was not the only one who had been intentionally preparing. That night at the dinner table, Jesus was preparing a sacrifice of his own. Jesus was about to give, and in the following week, Jesus is going to give the greatest gift a man can ever give. Jesus was preparing to go do some shopping, and he was going to spend extravagantly. 
not, he wasn't going to be practical at all. He was really going to be extravagant. He was going to go all out. You could say that Jesus was about to spend not a year's fortune, but an entire life's fortune. He was going to purchase, are you keeping up with my picture? Jesus is going shopping. He's fixing to spend more than than 300 denarii. He's going to give it all. He's going all in, so to speak. He's going to purchase your salvation. That's what he's been planning. That's what he's been doing. From from John 1.1, when the Logos came to earth in verse 14, it's always been a plan to redeem you. Wow. The purchase was not 300 denarii. The price would not be a discounted price because Jesus is family with God anyway. God's nature demands full and complete justice. The wages of sin is death. So if Jesus is going to die for our sins, he has to. If he's going to pay for our sins, if he's going to pay the penalty for our sins, he must die so that you and I get the gift of God. We get eternal life. It's free to us. Cost everything to Christ Jesus. You and I come to this table You and I come to this table with nothing but starving stomachs. We come with emptiness and pain, or maybe guilt and regret. Jesus has brought a gift for you. With his very own life, Jesus has purchased your eternal life. It's been paid for in full, completely. You're forgiven. You don't have to pay for it anymore. And just like Mary pouring more perfume on Jesus than she really needed to, because we know she could have just dabbed a little. It would have had the same effect. But no, Mary's there to give extravagantly. She pours it all out on her feet, on Jesus' feet. And just like Mary, Jesus comes along with his gift for you and I. Does he dab it on? We had water baptism here a couple of weeks ago. Did we dab it on? No. And I told you what I'd really like to do to make the illustration perfect. You should have been here. He's going to lavishly pour his mercy and his grace on us. He's going to dunk us in his grace and his love and his kindness. He's going to immerse us in the glory of God the Father. He's going to give us more than we could ever use up. Brent, you don't know how bad my sin is. You don't know how big my God is. But not everybody wants Jesus' gift. Number four, I'm coming in for a landing. Giving well may not be received well. In verse 9, when all the people heard of Jesus' arrival, they flocked to see him and also to see Lazarus, the man Jesus had raised from the dead. I would want to go see that. Verse 10, then the leading priest decided to kill Lazarus too. For it was because of him that many of the people had deserted them, the Jewish leaders, and believed in Jesus. Over and over, John reminds us that Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is worthy of our faith. He's worthy of our trust. He's worthy of us believing in with all that we are. Yet in spite of Jesus' 
proving that he is the son of God, the Jewish leaders still want to kill him. Jesus gave to humanity the best and all that he had to give. And for some, it was still not enough. But that didn't keep Jesus from giving well. That didn't keep Mary from giving well. You may give your life to God and others may criticize you for doing that. That is not a reason for you to fail. It's all the more reason for you to give well. Give well to God. Intentionally give well to God. Intentionally give well to your spouse. If we get the God part right, the other ones come together pretty easily. We give well to God. We give well to our spouse, not just at Christmas time. We give well to our family. We give well to our church and all that that entails. We give well to our community. Pause for a moment. Here's, here's sermon three. I'm not going to preach it this morning. I'm just going to tell you a little bit about it. Mary brings this gift to Christ Jesus to worship him. It's in preparation of Jesus' gift to humanity to redeem them. Now you and I hold this gift. We can hold it tight. We can hide it under a bushel, so to speak. We can keep it to ourselves. But there's a community out there that desperately needs the gift that we have. They need the gospel of Jesus Christ. They need to know that God left heaven, came to earth, so that they could believe and have eternal life. And you hold it. I know you hold it because you just heard this this morning. Some of you will forget before lunch, but you have it. You have it in the word. Give well to your community. But Brent, I won't have anything left. If I give well to God and give well to my spouse and give well to my family and I give well to the church and I give well to the community, I won't have anything left. Listen carefully. If all you have left is what Mary had, if all you have left after giving well is what Mary had after she gave well, then you have a greater treasure than this world could ever give you. Do you understand that? It's pretty incredible. We have been given this incredible gift that we are not worthy of. We should be intentionally giving it well to others, especially those that we're close to, especially those in our family, those that we go to church with. You know, part of the reason we do Thanksgiving dinner is because we stand back there and we serve one another. Part of what happens as we sit at tables in here is you get up and you're like, hey, you need a glass of tea, I need a glass of tea, I'll serve you, I'll help you out. It just happens. We serve one another, we get to know one another, we give to one another, we give well to one another in the body of Christ. Church, we have to take it outside of this group of people. We have to give it to people who are starving to death. They're dying in their sins. We have the gift of eternal life and we can give it to them. Let's stand together. I want to pray for us, and then I'm going to let you go. 
Father, we thank you, Lord, for your mercy and your grace in our lives, that you are a great and a mighty and awesome God. Lord, I pray for all of us here this morning that if we have not put our faith and trust in you and received eternal life from you, I pray that those people will do it this morning. They will put their faith in you. Lord, we receive this incredible gift that you've given us that you paid for with the blood and the body of Jesus. We take this gift and we believe in it with all that we have. Lord, I pray that as as the church body here this morning that you will help us to be good stewards of the gift that you've given us. Lord, that we won't just keep it to ourselves, but that you will help us to be a light to a dark world. The desert heights will be a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. That, that we will lift Jesus up and you will draw him into yourself. Father, I pray that you make us effective in a dark world. Lord, help us to share this incredible gift. Help us to give up ourselves so that we can intentionally give well to those around us. God, I ask with all my heart that you be glorified in all that we do. Be glorified in this church body. Be glorified in all of those believers around Farmington and the greater Farmington area. God, make us a powerful light, a testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ, your grace and your mercy, your salvation to those who need the gift of life. Father, we thank you and we praise you and we worship you with all that we have. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. God bless you. You have been listening to the Desert Heights Church Weekly Message. We meet on Sunday mornings at 1030 a.m. on Main Street in Farmington, New Mexico. If you'd like more information, please visit our website at desertheightschurch.com.